0: Turning back to Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39, please, thank you for coming. It's lovely to see you in again tonight as we look at the Word of God. I want you to open your Bible if you can, and I prefer you have a Bible with you rather than some other mechanism, because the reason for that is that no matter where you open your book, the Word of God, you'll have truth. And uh, when you open some of these other things, dear you knows what? Comes out. So have the word. Bring the word of God with you, and let us uh, uh, listen to what God has to say to us uh, tonight. We'll be lifting out verses from these two mighty chapters of Scripture. And uh, thank you again for showing an interest in 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 these things uh, tonight. The most devastating. And the most brutal war ever to hit planet Earth is, according to prophetic scholars of the scripture, soon to take place. The amassing of over 100,000 Russian troops on the Ukrainian border and the standoff with NATO and with the West could very easily spark off this war that we have been speaking about in these past nights. There's only one other war that will eclipse it, and that is the battle of Armageddon, which is also in the future. That is when all the nations of the world will surround and invade Israel and surround Jerusalem And there there'll be that great slaughtering match that we read in Revelation in the plains of Megiddo in Israel. Now this war, which is known as Ezekiel's War by many, or the War of Gog and Magog, is covered in 52 verses in chapter 38 and 39 of Ezekiel. Also in Psalm 83 and Psalm 2, and other scriptures, you will find references to this war that has yet to come. Now you wonder why we're speaking about war. Well, they are prophetic scriptures and there's a lot of things dovetail in around them that concerns us here as well. Someone has called this the one day war. for It's going to be over very quick for God is going to do the work. Now, those of you that gathered here last Wednesday night and listened or watched the message, watched the message will know that we, pre- we proved, I think very sufficiently and clearly, that a Russian-led coalition invasion of Islamic nations is going to, evade, is going to invade the land of Israel. They'll come from the north and the south and the east and it will be in the latter times. And it's very important to point that out. And if you want proof of that again, just glance down to verse 8 and verse 16 of Ezekiel 38, and there you will see that it's going to happen in the latter times. Now, that's beyond the last times. When you refer to the latter times in the Word of God, it refers to the, Days known are coming up to the tribulation, which is the day of the Lord. So we're speaking about the latter times. Now we established last week a personal identification of who the leader would be. And for the sake of those who were not here and to refresh the memory of those who are, I want to just mention it very briefly as we pass on. His name will be Gog, and if you go through 38 and 9, you'll get the word Gog nine times. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 38, we're told that he's a chief prince. You have that twice. Nine times you have Gog, and twice you have a chief prince. You can see that for yourself if you glance at the scripture. Now, scholars of the scripture know that when God emphasizes something, When the Holy Spirit reiterates something, it's there for us to take heed of. And when He reiterates this nine times in these verses and twice the chief prince, then we need to take heed. And we need to listen and we need to study and we need to find out what God is trying to say to us. Now, this word Gog, this name Gog, means head, it means ruler. In fact, the original word is the man at the top. Uh, as some say, is the president or the general, uh, the man that's ruling over the whole thing. And uh, we have one man at the moment ruling over Russia, and his name is Putin. Now, I'm not saying that Putin will be the man that will lead this Russian invasion, but he has held on for 22 years, and he has changed the constitution of Russia so that he could do that. And he has dismantled all the democracy that was brought into Russia in years past. And so he could well be, I don't know whether he will or not, but whoever is going to lead this coalition is going to be the head of Russia. He's going to be the top man. He's going to be the ruler. But we have news from tonight because if you look at verse 38... Ezekiel 38 and verse 3 and 39 and verse 1 says, The Lord is against him. The Lord is against him. Now that's an awesome phrase. When the God Jehovah of heaven is against a nation, it's one thing. And when he's against a people, it's another thing. But when he's against a man... And he alliterates that man and shows us so many times. God is against the leader of Russia. Of course, Russia is an atheistic nation. Someone said the only whole atheistic nation in the world. and I don't know whether that's true or not. But remember this, God never made any allowances in the scriptures for atheism. There's nothing to do with atheism in the Ten Commandments or in the laws of Israel. With just one stroke of the pen, uh, the psalmist uh, uh, addresses and pulls to nothing the view of atheism. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And if you're here tonight and you're an atheist, and I doubt you would be, but if you're listening to me tonight and you're an atheist, I say to you, in the word of God, you're a fool. You're a fool, for a fool has said in his heart, that there is no that there is no God, so here we have powerful scriptures before us tonight, a personal identification, now the geographical location, and I don't know if everybody was clear in this last week, but I want to make it clear to you that the location of this uh, inv- where this invasion is coming from is from the north. And uh, right north from Jerusalem is Russia you couldn 't go any far north from Russia. look at verse six uh, and verse fifteen verse thirty eight and verse six says and uh, and all his bands and many people that took uh, from Tagarma of the north quarters and then you have the same in verse in verse uh, fifteen you have the north parts. And you have it in other places in the scripture referring to this, that this invasion is going to be led from the north. And a straight line from Jerusalem to Russia is north. You can't go any further north. If you look at your map, you will see that there. So it's the extreme north. Actually, the word does mean the extreme north. Now, then we have, we're back in verse, go back verse uh, 2 of chapter 38. And this is the word to Ezekiel Son of man, set thy face against Gog. And we have established that this is the leader, he's the head. And here's, here's, here's where he's from the land of Magog. The land of Magog. Now, the old word for Magog is rush. And the scholars are all agreed here that this is Russia, the old former Soviet Union. The old Hebrew word for Magog is Rush, uh, which um, is interpreted Russia. So we're taking this along with us tonight. And I'm showing you again tonight, there's going to be a head, there's going to be a leader. He's going to come from the north. He's going to be in mighty power. And he's going to come from He's going to come from from, from Russia, from Rosh, from, from the old Soviet Union. Now let me say this to you, that Magog was the second son of Japheth, one of Noah's sons. An ethnologist who traced the migration of tribes and from the flood traced, traces this man right down into what is now Russia, and they called themselves Magogites or Scythians. Now I want you to remember this tonight: that this is uh, these are scholars who are authority on the Word of God, and who has laid these truths before us. And so many of us are ignorant of it that we have a, we have a man almost named, and we have a nation named, and a land named. And uh, right before our very eyes in the scripture, and sadly, these scriptures are not been taught to the people. And you remember as well, that's 2,600 years ago that Ezekiel had this vision. There was no such thing as Russia. The land was only a mass. And yet God speaking to Ezekiel at the river Chabar when they were in captivity and had hung the harps on the willows and God spoke to him. He says, Son of man, I'm going to show you visions. I'm going to show you things of the future and they're going to come to pass. And I heard preachers preaching on this war 50 years ago and uh, I thought they were way off. But I'm sure now when I see the whole thing's taking place, that all this has come to true true. And this is going to happen. God keeps always keeps his word. And if God says he's against a nation, he's against a nation. If God says he's for a man, he's for a man. If God says he's against a man, he's against a man. If God says he's against a gathering in the church of God's people, he's against them. I would rather have God on my side than be against us. So here we have Magog that was the name of this boy of nose, And he they traced him right down into the heart of the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union, right down into the place called Russia. And we have it here before us tonight. So we have the personal identification. You can study that for yourself. And if you want me to recommend books, I will recommend them to you. Uh, also, we have here something else because it says Magog, verse 2, the chief prince of Meshach. Now that is translated Moscow. And if you read after that you'll see Moscow and Tubal, which is Toblowsk, two cities in Russia tonight. Let that sink in now. These 2,600 years ago were given to us for our learning and for our understanding and for our declaring that God's word is accurate and God's word will come to pass. There's a man, and he's the leader, and he's the head, and he's from Russia, and he's the very city that he's from is Moscow and Toblowsk, cities around there tonight. So we have a personal identification. We have a geographical location. And we have a political coalition. George W. Bush called some of them the axis of evil. Look at verse 5. And I'm getting this because we need to keep pounding at this till you get it into your mind and into your heart. These are Bible teaching meetings and we need to you just run on, we can't run on till we get this grounded into our heart and life and then we'll open up a new portion to you tonight and uh, on next Wednesday night if you come. Verse 5, Persia. Well, everybody knows or should know that Persia is now Iran. Up until 1935, it was Persia then it turned it to Iran and it has been Iran ever since, although during the Second World War, Winston Churchill kept it as the name of Persia because Iraq and Iran were getting mixed up in, in army works at the, when the war was going on. But in 1935, it turned to be Iran. And we could say plenty about Iran tonight and will be uh, will be in other nights. One of Russia's greatest allies. Russia's providing so much ammunition and munitions and and. and, and uh, material for their bomb and training soldiers with them they're linked up together one with another so you have first of all the, the coalition that's going to come along with Russia is number one and it's in its rightful place is number one is the Republic of Iran Iran and then second to that you have uh, after Iran you have Ethiopia That's that's in North Africa. Uh, The area of Sudan tonight, and it's called Kush, and we will be saying a wee bit about that other nights. And then you have Libya. Boy, boy, it doesn't need much explaining. These are one of the the rogue nations that George W. Bush was talking about. Uh, Libya have many times stated that Israel should never exist. And that we'll take them out and that we'll drive them into the sea. Was it Madeleine, I think it was Madeleine Albright, the Secretary of State of a previous administration in America, said there were a viper's nest of terror. A viper's nest of terror. So you see the friends that he is with them, You see the allies that are with him. And then go on to the next one. Let's go to the next one. And Libya and all of them with shields. And helmets, uh, Gomer, that's a uh, part of Germany, although I get that hard to understand, but it's supposed to be part of Germany, and all his bands, the House of Taggarma, which is Turkey. So you can see the way the picture is built up here, and in the world, what did Ezekiel know about these things? Absolutely nothing. How did he know about Islamic nations or Shiite or Muslims or any of the rest of them? Because 98% of all these nations are all Islamic nations with a hatred for God that you'll see in a minute. So there's a coalition coming round this man. Millions, let me tell you, there's millions of people here involved in this. All with one thing in their heart. And that is to destroy the Jew. Now, that doesn't sound too strange now, sure it doesn't. But if you talk like that 20 or 30, 40 or 50 years ago, it would sound strange enough. Make no mistake, from the authority of the word of God sitting before me here tonight, make no mistake that a Russian-led Islamic coalition will soon surround and invade the nation of Israel. And it will be a David and Goliath scenario. And it will end the same way. Physically, militarily, technologically, Israel, with every man and woman, and it is so, every man and woman, a soldier, will not be able to handle this one Nor will they be expected to handle this one for they'll not fly a plane or they'll not fire a shot or they'll not sail a ship. They'll not need the iron dome. Look at verse 18 of chapter 38. And it shall come to pass. Take your time. And it shall come to pass at the same time When Gog shall come against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel, so that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beasts of the field and all creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence and the mountains shall be thrown down and the steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, said the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. They're going to turn against him. They're going in for the booty and the spoils and the oil and the gas and the uranium. They're going to fight over it. God's going to turn them against one another. And I will plead, verse 22, against him with pestilence and with blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain and great hailstones, fire and brimstone. I wonder what the global warming boys will say then. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself and I will be known in the eyes of many nations that they shall know that I am am the Lord. That's the whole purpose of it, my friend. God will declare and show to the nations of the world that he is God. Chapter 39 and verse 1. Therefore thou, son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus said the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O God, the chief prince of Moscow and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and leave but sixth part of thee. Only one in six other Russian soldiers will survive. And I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And I will smite the bow out of thy left hand and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. That's the only way Ezekiel could speak. He couldn't speak about tanks, nuclear. This is going to be, God's going to release all the power that he has. He's going to, he's going to move creation, as you see. He's going to move in so many ways. And he'll destroy them one after another. And, and I will smite the bow out of thy left hand and will cause thy arrows to fall out of the right hand. And thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands and thy people that is with thee, and I will give thee unto the venomous, unto the ravenous birds of every sort, unto the beasts of the field to be devoured. And we'll be going on dealing with that another night it's going to take them seven days to bury the dead. It's going to take them seven years to burn up to burn up all the artillery that the launch it they bring into the land. And a very interesting thing is you'll read and you'll hear on another night that uh, there people selected to bury the dead. They had to recruit different people to bury the dead. There was a burying party out to bury the dead. But if an ordinary man went past and he saw a bone somewhere, he had to get a stick, and you'll read it, and he had to get a stick and he had to put a stick down where the bone was. He wasn't allowed to touch the bone. I was wondering today, why would that be? Because there's going to be nuclear, there's going to be atomic power released here. My, this is a wonderful book that we have. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. The battle is not theirs, the battle is the Lord's. We have established a personal identification a geographical location, the political coalition, now here's the one that I'm after tonight, a numerical motivation, and I use the word numerical because I have faced at least five, and there are more, five reasons that motivated, motivates these people into Israel. And we're going to deal just with three of them tonight in closing. For we're going to leave time for prayer. I want to deal with three of these motives that they think that's bringing them in and why God's bringing them in. You see, the atheists and Allah, when they're all combined, there's one thing in common with them, a hatred. For the Jews. A hatred for the Jews. We call it Semitism today. You hear a lot of talk about it. Well, that's, I believe, maybe they, I know they're going for the gas and they're going for the oil and the potassium and the magnetism and all this. In, in, in the Dead Sea and all that and they know the it right the oil fields that they have found recently in Israel are down there at Asher and now they've, they've built trillions and trillions of stuff that they need in these other nations and Israel has it all and I know that they're going in for that and I know that they're going in for other reasons as well and we're going to give you three of them tonight and the one of them is the hatred for the Jews an inherent hatred for the people of God. Now let me say to you tonight, this didn't start with Sunni and Shiite Muslims in Saudi Arabia or Mecca or somewhere else. This hatred didn't start with a teenager with a catapult letting loose on a tank in the West Bank nor did it start with the Jewish-Arab conflicts of 1948, 67, and 73. This hatred didn't start with Hamas, al kabab or Taliban. Nor did it start with Pharaoh, or Nimrod, or Haman, or Hitler, or Herod. All sworn enemies of Israel. It didn't start in the world at all. Listen, it started in the womb. It started in Rebecca's womb. You read Genesis chapter 25, and you'll discover that Isaac, the husband of Rebecca, entreated the Lord that she would have a family, for she was barren. And God answered the cry of Isaac and she conceived conceived, and twins were born in her womb. Conceived in her womb. And after a while they started to fight in the womb. They started to kick and struggle in the womb. And Rebekah, the word of God tells us, inquired of the Lord, what is going on here? What is this struggling, this wrestling, this this fighting in the womb? And mind you, the mother would know that all right. And God said, God said, he said, there are two nations in the womb. Two manner of people, and one shall be stronger than the other. And the elder shall serve the younger. Esau and Jacob. Esau was red-haired and covered in hair, which speaks of strength and speaks of the flesh. He was a hunter from the fields, which speaks of the world. And Jacob, he was a man of the folds and of the flocks, a man of the spirit, who, who later became Israel. This battle didn't start in Palestine on the ground. Esau was a an Needhamite and from Esau came the Herods. And we know that the Herods, all of them, slew the Jews every day every, they got And that battle is still raging today. The two nations. There's a battle going on today. One, and I wouldn't have time to develop this tonight because it's a powerful message. One represents the flesh and the other represents the spirit. And that battle is going on not only physically tonight but spiritually. Spiritually in your life and my life as Christians. That old battle goes on day by day with the flesh and the spirit. Boy, do we not know it. And it doesn't say because when you get saved that all will be well. You have to fight and you have to battle and you have to pray and you have to read and you have to stand against the powers of the enemy and the devil. And I'm sure you entered into a conflict today. The devil will try, the flesh will take you one way and, and the devil another way and the world another way and the Holy Spirit takes you this way. You know, the old Negro man said years ago, whatever one you feed the most will be the most healthiest, will be the strongest. I hope you have fed your soul this morning today in the word of God. I hope you're not just depending on wee bleeps of prophetic scriptures. I hope that you've been open before the Lord and the Word today and you've shut off the old phone, cursed thing and and all them other old but Shut them off and get down before God. And get alone with God and ask the Lord to speak to you and ask Him to show you these things for yourself. And as you meditate in the Spirit and worship in the Spirit of God, these things will come and you'll get strength. You'll get the victory over the pornography. You'll get the victory over the lust. You'll get the victory over the greed. You'll get the victory over the sin. Because there's victory in Jesus and power in the blood. My friend, you can live a life of victory. Victory. Are you in victory tonight? Oh, now, are you in victory? Are you living a victorious Christian life tonight? Are you looking forward to get up in the morning to get to the Word? Are you enjoying your Christian life? Well, you should be if you're not. Christ Jesus didn't die on the cross of Calvary for anything less than victory. There's victory in Jesus. So I hope you study that and we could take that up some other night. But that's where the battle started. It started in the womb. And it's going on tonight. The old slaying of the baby You know, some some scholars said that they they, they believe that Jacob, uh, Esau tried to kill Jacob in the womb. And I could well believe that because Jacob was the seed. And the devil, every opportunity he will get, he will try to destroy the seed. It wasn't that Herod from where he come from. Slay the babe. Slay all the babes, all the boys and Jews. Slay the babe. He's always the devil's after to slay the babe. And if you're a babe in Christ tonight, he'll want to slay you before you get your feet off the ground. Before you walk at all, he'll slay you, man. You hold on to the word and get into the meetings. For he'll slay the babe. That's the way it always has been. Slay the babe. Herod, slay the children. Haman, wipe out the Jews. Slay every one of them. Slay the seed. Slay the seed. Get up Christ. Slay the seed. Everything to stop Christ coming. And I thought they had him when he was on the cross. But he had the victory. And Jacob, it says, caught a hold of the heel of Esau. Jacob didn't give up Esau. Jacob caught a hold of the heel on the way out. You'll read it when the twins were born. He caught a hold of the heel. Man, dear, he held on. And he pushed the devil out. (laughs) We need to push him out. What victory. And I'm not afraid of the Muslims tonight or Islam tonight or anybody else. I have a living Savior within my heart and life. I'm glad to be saved and I'm glad I'm on my way to heaven. Jacob caught the heel and repelled the attack. Jesus repelled a far greater attack when he was stripped naked and hung on the cross at Calvary. He destroyed death and hell and sin and lives in the power of an endless life. And if you're still in your sin tonight and not enjoying the Lord and sins forgiven, and that first hymn that we sung, He's a pardoning God, and He'll save you tonight. He'll set you free tonight. Whether you're a murderer, whether you're evil, whether you're a wicked, it doesn't matter to God. The blood cleanses from all sin. Hallelujah! From all sin. Oh, I tell you, that's the first thing that's going to draw them in a hatred for the Jews hatred, atheism, nisla. You can see what's going on the night out there. But we leave that as another night. The second one is the hooks. Look at verse, verse 4 of chapter 38. You need to see these scriptures for yourself. I will turn thee back, says God Jehovah, and put hooks into thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses, that could be tanks and planes and whatever you like to put in there, with all sorts of armor, even the great company with bucklers and with shields and atomic bombs or whatever else they have, all of them handling swords. He'd put hooks in their jaws. There'll be a magnetic draw. Now, they'll not know this. They'll not know this. No, they'll not know this. God knows it. I was thinking this morning, if this is Putin, there's a platform, there's a plot from Israel, and he's going to put hooks in their jaws, not literally, of course, but there's going to be a drawing in. And the drawing will be in, as I have said, first of all, probably with the hatred to destroy them. But there'll be other reasons why they're going in. They think that they're going in for the oil and for the gas and for the potassium. And let me tell you, and we'll touch this another, there are trillions and trillions of material in the Dead Sea alone that the whole world is after and can provide for the whole world. They don't know all that's there, but they know a good bit that's there. They know what's there more than you and I know what's there. Because Israel doesn't give away very much, but they found new oil fields there lately, down in Asher, down at Haifa, down on the border there of the sea. And nobody knows the trillions and trillions of gallons of oil they say that they have found. Well that's scripture too, you know. Because down around Haifa and down around that part of the country is where the tribe of Asher came from. One of the twelve tribes. And God said, Asher, in Deuteronomy, I'm not just sure of the scripture now, but Asher will dip his foot in oil. They have a m- momentous Trillions of potassium. I've wrote down a couple here tonight. The Dead Sea potassium contains 2 billion tons. Potassium chloride, 22 billion tons. 12 billion tons of sodium chloride. Alone, along with many other things in the Dead Sea. So he's putting hooks in their jaws and he's drawing them in and they're drawn in, as we'll read in other scriptures, the booty, the materialism to furnish their own nations and their own country because Russia does need gas and will need oil before this is all over. There's a drawing, but I tell you. When God draws, when He draws, I wasn't going to say this, but I will. It gives myself away a wee bit. We used to poach fish, catch fish. To be honest about it, illegally in knock iron when I was a young fella. And whenever I got saved, there was stuff i give back, but I couldn't give the fish back. I couldn't put them back. And we had a thing called, I don't know where my father got it, but he had all sorts of things. He'd still called, they called it the dolphin. I don't know whether that was a name he put on it or not. But it got the name of the bird. It was about the size of that pulpit. Boy, it was illegal. He would have caught with it. And from that, there was about 20 spoon baits hanging from it. And there was a weight on it. And we used to go out into Loch Air and from the shore, just down from the house where we lived, and drop it down, drop down, down into the water and pull the boat. Now, the fish must have, whatever weight attracted, it attracted trout and it attracted pike, whether it was a shoal of baits or whatever it was, but you'd have never cut them with one spoon bait or two spoon baits. But this thing, boy, I tell you, they all were attracted to it. And that will be the same, the hooks that were drawn with the hooks. And that's what God's going to do. He's going to draw them into the land. hatred, the hooks. The last thing I want to say tonight is their are home. Israel's at home tonight. Look at verse 8. 38. And many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel which have been always waste but it is brought forth out of the nations and they shall dwell safely all of them. Now that's only one of Many, many scriptures I could give you to show that Israel's back in the land. And this couldn't happen until Israel come back into the land. There was no land to come to. It was like a desert. Mark Twain says, a land without a people and a people without a land. From A.D. 70, when Titus ransacked Jerusalem and scattered them to the four corners of the earth, They never were a nation since until 1948, two years after I was born, 1948. The British relinquished control of Palestine as it was then, and they became a nation once more. Started with a war in 1948 and the battle's going on and the fighting's going on, but they're back in the land and they're back in Jerusalem and they're back where, they, where God told them that they would be. And he says, whenever you're back in the land and whenever you're a nation again and when they have all these resources again built up, he says, they'll come. Dennis Lyle in his book, which was a help to me the other day, says... On count- the countdown to the apocalypse, amazing race, an amazing place, and amazing grace. They're back in the land again, they're a nation again, and nobody's going to put them out. and They haven't got all the land yet, they have more land to get. They're going to owe far more land, and they're going to get it very soon. And she's in the very centre of the earth. Israel's in the very center of the earth. That's another reason that they want to go in. Anybody can get into Israel and anybody can get into the Dead Sea and anybody can get into the jewels and the silver and the gold mines and the other things that are in Israel. Let me tell you that. He has control of the world. So they're home. But there's a problem, and we'll deal with that next week, but I'll let you see what it is just before we close. There's a hindrance. There's a hindrance. This invasion can't happen tonight. Well, look at verse 8. We've just read it. They've been brought forth out of the nation. They shall dwell safely in the land. Verse 11. And thou shalt say, this is what Putin, or whoever he's got, I'm not saying he's Putin. This is what the leader's going to say. And they shall say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls, and having nether bars and their gates. Well that's not the way they are tonight. They're not dwelling in safety tonight. For they are done going today or yesterday. That yoke that takes the missiles out of the sky. Nobody knows how it works only then. The walls are up. And the bars are up. And the gates are up. And the sirens are roaring. They're still throwing the stones and they're still firing rockets every day that you hear nothing about. They're not dwelling in safety tonight. We'll come back next week. Because there's going to have to be a peace agreement made. These bars and these walls and Will have to come down. Somebody's going to have to get them to take it down. And scripture after scripture tells me who it will be. The Antichrist will make a peace treaty with Israel. The very first thing he does when he appears. He's already appeared, but we don't know. Don't see him. Maybe that by Macron, don't know. Seeing the day, he was over with. Germany, and then he was over with Iran, and then he was over in China. He says, I'm going to be the broker. Oh. They're not in safety tonight, but they'll be in safety. They're going to trust somebody. They're going to. There's going to, something's going to happen that there's going to, there's going to make them, and I'll tell you, it'll have to be a great deception. Well, it is. It's a delusion, the Bible calls it. There's going to have to be a great delusion that will get the Jews to pull down all their armaments and to dismantle maybe their bombs. Then there's a boy coming capable to do that for he's the devil incarnate and he's the Antichrist and we'll touch on him some night here. They have to be back in the land. They're back. They have to dwell in safety. They're not dwelling in safety. Now let me put this in before I go. Before the Antichrist can come, the church has to go. My reading of Scripture tells me not, and I've studied it, and you come to me and show me where it's not the truth. We're not watching for signs or waiting for signs for the rapture of the church. All the signs are fulfilled. Any moment now, Jesus Christ will come again. He'll burst the clouds. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And the sound of the trumpet and the twinkling of an eye is going to happen. It's going to happen at any minute. We're on borrowed time. It could happen tonight. Jesus is coming. And once we go out, I'm not going to see this war from here. I'll not be watching it on Channel News or Fox News or Box News or anybody else. I'll see it from above. Search the word of God and tell me if this is not true. And my friend, if we're all heading up and this coalition is getting ready and Israel's ready, Tell me this, how near are we not to the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ tonight? And if you really believe that, and I really believe that tonight, my friend, listen, we'd do our eight hours' work and we'd do it diligently. We'd look after our children and we'd do it digitally, but every other minute we'd give to the Lord. Because it'd be an awful thing if he took, oh, I'm saved, are you? Jesus says, when I come, will I find faith in the earth? How is your life tonight? If I were to go into your home and ask your wife or your husband, what sort of a boy you are, or a woman you are? What... what, what Where are the hooks in your jaws tonight? What draws you tonight? It's time that we wakened up, a time that we realized that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And only for the grace of God, all these things are in place, my friend, tonight. And the Holy Spirit in his grace and in his love and in his long-suffering and his mercy has given men and women another meeting to come to Christ. You saved tonight. I'm not asking you, did you make a profession when you were a child? I'm asking you, are you born again by the Spirit of God and do you know it? And do you love the Lord tonight? And when you sin, you hate it? Oh, this is powerful. Oh, I never knew that Moscow was mentioned. No, no. It doesn't concern you, my friend, if you're not saved. And go to hell and know all these things. Now we'll be coming back, God willing, next week. And we'll be staying in these chapters until we have them exhausted. And we'll give praise and glory to the Lord. And remember, you read it once, but several times in these chapters you read that the Lord would be glorified and magnified. Not the Israeli army and all their technology, but the Lord. Jehovah would be exalted. And if the preaching, these prophetical meetings could bring one soul to Christ, my heaven will be two heavens in Emmanuel's land.